We cannot know that conscious life has appeared only on Earth, but we have good ground for assuming that it is rare and extraordinary enough that its vanishing would be an incalculable impoverishment of the sum of things. If we say that, for all we know to the contrary, there is just one minor planet in a limitless field of stars where apple trees blossom and where songs are sung, then most of us would probably grant an important centrality to that planet. The parable of the pearl of great price is not apt here, since it assumes something imaginable, a near equivalence of exchange value between the whole of a man's wealth and a single pearl. But if this strange planet is the pearl, what could even seem to be of equivalent value? These are the words of the writer Marilyn Robinson, who has an incredible ability to convey the preciousness of life in her writing. For her, life matters tremendously, but yet so many of us lose consciousness of its preciousness and instead get lost in limited constructs of seeing it. Robinson, a Christian mystic and observant political critic, has that ability that perhaps I admire more than any other, her ability to see. When thinking upon my own biggest fear in life, it's easy to jump to something frivolous like snakes or more reasonable fears like heights, but when I truly think about it, what I fear more than anything is not seeing. I don't mean physical blindness, although the thought of going blind scares me too. What I really fear is having so much great stuff happening all around me and missing out on all of it. My greatest fear is not experiencing the good of my life while it is taking place. What an awful feeling it is to me to realize how wonderful something was versus how wonderful it is. How challenging it is to look forward to a vacation, for example, have a stressful, rushed, and miserable time only to look back months later and say, wow, what a memory. Part of this fear comes from growing up with older siblings, who got to do fun things before I did. That feeling of missing out on all the fun is still with me these days. What, you guys are going out for drinks without me? Even though I'm exhausted, I really do need the rest. Okay, I'll go with you. I don't want to miss out on the fun. These days, it's not so much fun that I fear missing out on. It is the fruits of life, of labor, of wisdom, and of appreciation. That's why for me, cultivating appreciation is one of my most important practices. When I find that I've been bored too long, I know it's time to change something. Bored into me being a kind of defective experience. What a foolish thing to be bored. In a world where the world is on our devices and McDonald's serves breakfast all day. I like to, one, find a book I haven't read in a long time and start reading. You know, something in which I believe I'm so familiar with its pages and I realize it's brand new again. And if not a book, an old album or an old movie. Second, I like to go to the cupboard and find something that has been just sitting back there forever. A can of peas, some noodles, and I make something out of it. I can only remember a couple times where I haven't really enjoyed it. I like that my fear of not appreciating the good of my life is something I can prevent through practices like that. Are your appreciation muscles strong? Another preventative tool is reading Marilyn Robinson's novels. One, in particular, Gilead, is a wonderful meditation about a father's appreciation for his child. He shares, There's a shimmer on a child's hair in the sunlight. There are rainbow colors in it, tiny soft beams of just the same colors you can see in the dew sometimes. They're in the petals of flowers, and they're on a child's skin. Your hair is straight and dark, and your skin is fair. I suppose you're not prettier than most children. You're just a nice-looking boy, a bit slight, well-scrubbed, and well-mannered. All that is fine, but it's your existence I love you for, mainly. Existence seems to me the most remarkable thing that could have ever been imagined. I'm about to put on imperishability, in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye.
In the story, the father is a minister who is growing older and knows his time is short in this world. Having a son, something he's never had, seems to complete him. While you read this, I am imperishable, somehow more alive than I have ever been, in the strength of my youth, with dear ones beside me. You read the dreams of an anxious, fuddled old man, and I live in a light better than any dream of mine, not waiting for you, though because I want your dear, perishable self to live long and love this poor, perishable world, which I somehow cannot imagine not missing bitterly. These words reflect one who is fully present and experiencing what I like to call present time. Present time, unlike the passing of the hours, has a dash of eternity in it. It doesn't pass by but settles into us in a way that we ourselves fully settle into. Even though a new day comes, it is something that lasts. I cannot help but also get in Robinson's tale of a father's love for his son that she is reflecting her view of a loving Holy Father for his child, the Christ in all of us. A man can know his father, Robinson says, or his son, and there might still be nothing between them but loyalty and love and mutual incomprehension. Robinson's father in this work is one that cares so deeply for his son that it doesn't really matter if the son notices or not. And yet, too, the father believes so deeply in the son's ability to be great that that doesn't matter so much either. I never have believed I'd see a wife of mine doting a child of mine. It still amazes me every time I think of it. I'm writing this in part to tell you that if you ever wonder what you've done in your life, and everyone does wonder sooner or later, you have been God's grace to me. A miracle. Something more than a miracle. You may not remember me very well at all, and it may seem to you to be no great thing to have been the good child of an old man in a shabby little town you will no doubt leave behind. If only I had the words to tell you. Those words are pretty damn good. Who and what has been God's grace to you? What, when, and who are the miracles in your life? Are they lost in a perceived past losing their magic? Or can you feel them now, in that present time, bringing forth in you new levels of appreciation?